We're in 2 Thessalonians 2, and I'm going to read from verse 8 down through verse 12. It says this, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, just help you get a little context here. We're talking about the end, approaching the end, that there will be this personality, this individual, this influence that will rise in the last days and and consider the wicked the wicked, he's going to be revealed. His workings are going to be after the workings of, of Satan with power and signs and, and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. So there's deception there. There is a false power, if you will, signs and wonders that if you're not perceptive, you could easily be misled and think that there's, there's good behind it when really it's the working of Satan and there's only evil behind it. He said, this is, this is what's going to happen because the, those folks that will perish and those that are being deceived and those that the signs and lying wonders and all of this works on, the Bible said it will work on those that because they receive not the love of the truth. The only way that you'll be able to decipher in that day between what is right and what is wrong is a love for the truth. And if you don't have the love of the truth, then the powers of Satan and the lying wonders and all of these things, the the deception will easily mislead good people. This is, this is the Bible. These are not my words. These are, this, I'm not making this up. This is what it says. That they, that they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the only way people are being saved in the end is having the love of the truth. If you don't have the love of the truth, then there will be such deception in the world And so many things that are um, affecting people by lying wonders and powers and the working of Satan that good folks will just, you'll you'll look at them like, how could they fall for that? How how could they believe that? What what are they thinking? I mean, even right now. Because the Bible lets us know that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world right now. So, so you may not be able to identify the individual, but the spirit of Antichrist is, is prolific. And it, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And so sometimes you see people making decisions and you're like, man, why, why, why are they doing that? What are they thinking? How, how? The only way to make it through that time is having the love of the truth that you were saved. Without a love for the truth, then you'll be deceived. Without a love for the truth, there's this onslaught of confusion that will come. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion 
that they should believe a lie. They believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we, we talked last week, started right here, and we'll get back to it in a few moments. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit about thirst. Everybody say thirst. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For those that were not here, I'll, I'll move quickly, but I, I do want to catch you up if I can. And uh, one of the ways of doing that is, is just by telling you some of the things that we discussed and talked about last week. And one of those things that we talked about was uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a prepper. <laughs> I'm not a prepper. I like the idea of, of prepping and not being preppy, but... But I'm not wearing boat shoes and khakis and a button down. But I, you know, anyway, I, uh, I, like, I like the idea of being prepared. And I like, I like the, the thoughts of survival. Anybody else like that? I mean, I'm not, I, I don't have 55-gallon drums in the basement with all kinds of grain and hand grinders and all. Look, if it, it comes to that, I'm just going to say, take me out. Let me get on out of here. I'm going up there. I don't know how to make bread. I don't know how to, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to take my bandana and run water through it. And, you know, I, I will try to survive a day or two. But if it's going on beyond that, then I'm just history. You know, Michael, it's a, it's it's over. It's just, just count me out. But I, I like the idea of all the stuff. In fact, I, I have a bunch of stuff that could be used in, in survival situations. And, um, I carry, I carry some of those most every day. I have my EDC. If you don't know what that is and go look it up on YouTube and, and you'll spend hours and hours figuring out what EDC is. But some, some of those things are exciting and, and I collect things and I have things and I'm always, you know, I'm not MacGyver. I am not Zach. Zach is MacGyver. I'm not MacGyver. But I, I can, if I need to, I could probably light a fire, but I'm going to need a big lighter or something like that. I probably, I'm not going to be able to like rub sticks together. I've watched people do that. It sounds interesting, but I, I feel like I might be out in the wilderness for days, like trying to do stuff and, you know, snares and catching rabbits. And I, I don't know that I'm going to make it. I'll probably be one of the first ones that, that goes, but I like the idea of, of surviving. I think everybody in here, whether you're a prepper or not, you, you really want to survive. And so in survival situations, there are, um, there, there is this rule of threes, the rule of threes, and we, we talked a little bit about that, and, and I'll give you this real quickly. So uh, you have about three minutes, you have about three minutes with, without oxygen or so, and things are going to get bad. You, you need to breathe quickly, and, and you have about three minutes or so, three to five minutes, and, and then things are going to go bad if not. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. We talked about um, how long you could go without water. Maybe three days or so. You can go. You need you need to uh, you need some water. You need to get some kind of fluid in your body. Dehydration, all kinds of things will happen, and, and then it's going to get bad. Or you have about three weeks without food. So so if you're ever caught in a situation, the first thing that you need to be concerned with is uh, not trying to get food on the first list because you can last a lot longer without food than you can without water, and you can last a whole lot longer without water than you can without Without oxygen, and so it's the rule of threes, and and so talking about all of that, there was one part of it that I pulled out, and that's the that's the part of thirst. 
that we cannot survive very long without having uh, that thirst quenched. We, we need that. And I went through a number of verses. I'm not going to go back to all of those verses because, as I stated last week, there were about 17 different scriptural references that I was, that I was pointing to. And then I would mention in each one of those uh, places in the scripture, there were several verses attached to that. So if I were to, to go through and try to read them all, there's, there's a lot of verses there. But there's 17 different references that I've gone to. And we got about halfway through those last week. And I'm going to pick up now where we left off. But I want to qualify something uh, because I I really want you to be clear on what I'm talking about last week when I was saying that sometimes, and we just read the scripture, that he will send a strong delusion. The Lord will send a delusion into people's lives and they will believe a lie and be damned. So there are people that have, and as long as I pastor, I know that there will will be people in days to come who will tell me, God said this, God said that, God told me this, God spoke this, God said that. And, And honestly, as a pastor, sometimes I'm amused at people and how often and how audible they hear from God, like every day. And, I, and here I am all these years later saying, God, can you just like talk to me every once in a while? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling, struggling along saying, I, you know, I've been fasting for days and I've been spending hours on my knees and I got calluses there. And I'm like, please just like, like, like just give me one word and I'll run with that one word. And it's like, anybody know what I'm talking about? And you get around some people and they're, they're like, God wakes them up talking to them all day with all these big revelations and they've been hanging out all day and it's audible all day. I think in my entire life, I may have heard the audible voice of God once or twice, once or twice. And, and, and as fanciful and wonderful as that sounds, hear the audible voice of God. It's a really frightening experience. (laughs) I mean, it's not like, you know, so some people say, well, he talks to me all day, every day, and it's audible. And I'm like, well, how are you saying right now? Because it kind of just puts you in one of these situations where like, that was God. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's really different. So when people say, God said this, and God said that, and God's leading me here, and God told me that, uh, many times I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amused at that, but I'm shocked at that, and I, and I always watch to see if God said it, and you do it, then where is it leading you to? What is it leading them to? If, if God said do that, then what, where is God leading? Because here's, here's the reality. He will speak to us and lead us into more truth, more revelation, more understanding, more spiritual maturity, more growth in him, or he will allow a delusion to come to us. And what we're hearing is something that could be a lie and we're damned. 
okay? So I don't say when they say, well, God spoke. I'm not saying, well, that's not God. It may be, but what are you hearing from God? Is God is God at a place where he's going to continue to reveal to you? Or are you at a place where God's going to say, I'm done with this? If, if you don't want to believe the truth, then go do whatever you want to do because he... The results will tell if God was speaking to you in a positive way or he was speaking to you in a negative way just to say, I'm done with, with this game that you're playing. And, and here's the thing, and, and this is what I want to qualify because I don't want you to be confused. Um, not being led huh, for by God You see, when people say, I'm being led by God, and they go to a place that doesn't offer more truth, then I would say, be very careful. Well, God's leading me. If God's not leading you to another place of truth where you can continue to grow in truth, then you're hearing the wrong thing. All right. I'm not. I, 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 and please understand and don't be don't be confused. If God leads you to another place of truth and more revelation, praise God, because that's where sometimes and, and, and Lisa and I are really transparent. And most of you know this when people are connecting with us and they're wanting to know about, you know, vertical and what's going on here. Many times I'll let people know, hey, there's a lot of other places around that preach truth. There's other places, and if you can't make it here, go where you can make it as long as it's a place that presents truth. If it's not a place that doesn't present truth, then I understand you're hearing a delusional side, if you will, and you've lost it somewhere, and you're not hearing the direction of God for more maturity. You're seeing the side of God that says, I'm not playing your games anymore. And so if God's leading you to another church or God's leading you to another ministry or God's leading you to another place that preaches truth, it very well may be God wants you in a place where you can grow beyond where you've ever been before. But if God is, say, well, God's led me away and it's something that doesn't preach truth, that wasn't God leading you to more revelation. That was God telling you, I'm tired of your games. And, and so thank God for a place where you can grow. Thank God for a place where you can be challenged. Thank God for a place where you don't have to stay where you've been, but where you can continue to grow in the things of God. And everybody say amen. So be it a place where the truth is preached. Be it a place where the truth is believed. Be it a place where the truth is obeyed. Be it a place where the truth is practiced. Don't go to a place where the truth is ignored and overlooked and explained away because you will never get to the place in God that you want to go to without it being a place that declares the whole counsel of God, that preaches what the Scripture Uh, reveals to us. Babe, is this okay? All right. Anything else I need to cover there? Because not only did I think I needed to say this, but she thought I needed to say this. And so so sometimes you guys think I'm the only one preaching. I'm not the only one preaching because like you guys get to hear me on Sunday morning for like an hour. I get to hear her every day of the week, six days a week until we get back on Sunday. And she says, oh, well, babe, you needed to say this and you needed to explain it like that because I don't think everybody understood. I'm like, 
I thank the Lord for, for my, you know, the, Matt, I, I got to say this, and, and some of you will understand. There is literally a bobby pin laying up here. I'm having flashbacks of my upbringing. You always knew you were in an apostolic Pentecostal church that had a shouting throwdown service when you walked through the altar and there were bobby pins laying everywhere. And, and Matt, I don't know if you did this, but growing up, man, you can turn these things into a weapon. If you've never turned a bobby pin into a weapon, you don't even know what Pentecost is like. I mean, this, uh, this should have been like one of the verses verses in the second chapter of Acts. They took bobby pins and that you can twist this part like back around and hook it on there. And when you touch people, it'll pop them real hard. And so as a kid growing up in an apostolic Pentecostal church, we'd have a shout and throw down service and there'd be bobby pins everywhere. It was great because we'd mine the altar at the end and turn these into weapons, Ben. And maybe you guys could do that at the next V-Boys. I don't know. Teach them, teach them how to turn these little things into, into weapons. And you'd go home with whelps on your leg pop from these things so i'm having a flashback of of my childhood i love bobby pins so maybe i am a prepper i've been a prepper since i was a kid i didn't even know it I didn't know it, but anyway, Matt, so here's the way it is. I, I don't cover it all. My wife reminds me, you, did, you should have said this. Why, why, did you, why didn't you explain it like that? So I love my wife, and I'm so thankful that when you find a wife, you find a good thing, and I found a good thing 29 years ago, almost 30 years ago, and I, and I love my wife. Matthew, uh, Matthew, Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger. And thirst, thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thirst. I I want the thirst in my life to be directed in the right way and a correct type of thirst. Notice what it says. Thirst after righteousness, not thirst after carnality. Not thirst after worldliness, not thirst after those things, but thirst after righteousness. Thirst for that place of being right with Him, to be in right standing with God, that we live every day saying, God, I want to please you in a greater way today. I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday. I'm thirsty to be in right standing with you. I don't want to be on the outs with you. I I, I want to be in right standing. If we thirst after being right with God, He said we would be filled. We would be filled. That, That that, that desire to have the thirst in our life quenched for righteousness, we would find fulfillment. Somebody shout fulfillment. Wanting what is right is the key. Somebody say what is right. Wanting what is right is the key. Not wanting what pleases others. Not wanting what pleases the flesh. Not wanting what pleases carnal desire. Not wanting what pleases religious mindset. Not wanting what other family members may approve of or agree with. Not wanting what pleases faulty traditions. He didn't say, he said what? 
hunger and thirst for righteousness not not for others approval not for religious things he said hunger for righteousness not God help us to get to the place where our thirst is for what's right and not just to make everybody else around us happy we're in a world where everybody is pressing on you and I to be politically correct honestly I don't want to be politically uncorrect if I can say that word and Karen not hate me but I I really I really am not too frustrated with what people think of me I'm not trying to figure out am I allowed to say bacon or Christmas or uh, can I not say what what I don't care what people think in the natural all right but neither am I trying to offend everybody Neither am I saying, I think I'm going to get up today and say, Christmas, 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 Christmas. And every time somebody says holiday, I'm going to say, no Christmas. No Christmas. No Christmas. I'm so sick of holiday. No, that's not what we're about. But sometimes people try to paint us in that light. You're just trying to offend everybody, make everybody. No, we're not. Honestly, we're not even thinking about it. Okay? (laughs) And, And so in the natural, that's where it's at. But... Let me, let me, if I can, just bring this over into, into spiritual things. That sometimes we think pleasing everybody that has a religious perspective is what my obligation is. It isn't. Trying to get everybody to approve of my level of obedience to God is what I'm, I, don't, I don't really care what people think. I I don't really care if they agree with me or not because I'm not hungry and thirsty to try to make everybody give me a stamp of approval. I'm not trying to fit in with anything and everything. I'm just trying to find a place of being right with God. And if, if being right with God requires stuff in my life that it doesn't require in your life, then don't judge me for that. And don't hate me for that. And don't look down on me because I feel like that's what I need to do to get to my place in God to be right. Because I'm going to stand before Him and, and give an account for my level of obedience. So, so maybe you don't have to do that. And maybe it's not something you're driven to. And maybe it's not what that. I'm not trying to fight with you about that. I'm trying to be right with God. And I'm thirsty in my own life to be right with God. You just happen to be a spectator in this. But really it's not about you. And every one of us are on our own quest to be right with God. For some of us there are things that, that remind us of our yesterday so much that we want to distance ourselves completely from that and have no connection with it at all because it takes us back to a time when we were not right with God. You may not have that same feeling or that same temptation or that same issue in that area. So you look at me and say, well, why aren't you just trying to be religious? No, I'm trying to be right with God. Well, you're just trying to be better than, no, I'm just trying to be right with God. Well, you're just, I'm not looking 
looking down on anybody. I'm just saying that he said in his word, if I would hunger and if I would thirst after righteousness, that I would be filled. And there is a thirst in my life that I can't go days and weeks and months without having that filled, or I will not survive spiritually. Some people were not as far in sin, if you will. Some people were not as tormented in sin. Some people were not as addicted in sin. Some people were not as consumed in sin as other people were. So for some of us, it takes a whole lot more to make it than it does for other people. See, some of us have to do things that others may not have to do. Because you don't know where he found us. <laughs> and you don't know where we were. And you don't know how far we were. And so, so if we're hungry to be right with him, it may require some other things out of our lives that, that it doesn't require out of your life. But if that's what it requires, when you get hungry and thirsty to be filled, you'll be filled because you want to be right with him. Don't judge somebody else's walk. You never know. You never know what people are going through. But if you're going to be right with God, you get hungry. You get thirsty and say, it's, this isn't about everybody else. I'm not against anybody. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I love everybody. But what I have to do, I have to do because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty to be right with God. And if I get hungry and thirsty, then, then your, your level of prayer life doesn't have to be mine. And your level of sacrifice doesn't have to be mine. And uh, that, that all in the end, God will weigh all of that out. But I know what I have to do to be filled. And it is, I can't play the game. I can't go through the motions. I, I can't just say, well, it's okay to show up every once in a while. I have to be there every time the doors are open. I'm just one of those kind that, that I can't miss a bunch of weeks because I, I, I'm, I'm not spiritual enough. I haven't heard him say, well done. I know who I used to be. I know how quick I can fall back into the same trap. I know how the enemy can work in my life and bring discouragement and doubt and all of those things. And so God help us not to judge people, but in encourage people and love people and support people and help them understand that being right with God is the only thing that matters. He said, thirst for it. Thirst for it. I'm not getting very far today, but I pray that I'll get far enough that the Spirit of God can talk to us. John 4, 13 through 15 said, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Jesus said, There is a well that you'll drink from. There is a source that you'll drink from, and you will thirst again. Jesus said it. You'll thirst again. Tomorrow you'll need another drink, and the next day you'll need another drink because it is a well. It's a source that cannot satisfy. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Amen. I don't want to be a part of those that thirst again. I want to be a part of those that never thirst again because we found a source that satisfies. We found a source that answers. We found a source that makes up the difference in our lives. He went on to say, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Anybody feel that way? Give me that water that you have that I thirst not. I don't want to go looking somewhere else. I don't want to be led somewhere else. I found what I've been looking for right here. I found the source that supplies. I found the source that makes the difference. I found the source that will complete my life. 
He goes on and he said, you won't have to come draw here. And so there is a lasting solution. Don't keep drinking from the same source that will leave you thirsty. Jesus is the answer. Drink from that well and you'll never thirst again, he said. John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. We meet people all the time say, I'm just hungry for more. I'm just searching for more. I'm just looking for more. You know what that tells me as a pastor, tells me as a preacher? They haven't found him yet. They may say they know him. They may say they believe in him. They may say that they're a Christian. But if you partake of him, you'll never hunger again. They, they haven't gotten to the place where they need to be yet. So they're searching and looking, he said. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst John 7 37 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified can I tell you when you get full of his spirit you will hunger no more you will thirst no more you will search no more you will look no more you will find the source that satisfies the source that lasts the source that makes the difference and this is it it's a standing and open invitation if any man thirst let him come it's an invitation to everyone. It's, it's stand, a standing invitation. And he was qualifying uh, what he said in John 6.35. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John 7, he comes back in 37 through uh, 39, and he qualifies that statement by saying, believeth, and he states it this way, as the Scripture hath said. So, when people say, well, let's go to John 6. All you got to do, here it is, he that believeth. Yes, but read the next chapter because he qualifies what he was saying when he said, not just believe, he said this as the scripture has said, not as religion has said, not as people have said, not as family said, not as personality said, not as government said. Not, are you hearing me? He said, as the scripture has said, if you're going to find truth, you're going to find it Believing the scripture, not trying to please everyone else. Well, my family or this or they said and their opinion, but what does the Bible say? Because Jesus said, if you believe on me like the scripture hath said, not like everybody. Well, I went to my church and it didn't happen that way because they don't preach scripture. They twist scripture. They interpret it their own way. They put what they want it to say in there. He said... As the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit. He was speaking of something that was going to happen. But notice this. I, lo I love this kind of stuff. And you may not think in these terms, but I love this kind of stuff. Because some people say, we don't need the Old Testament. We only need the New Testament. Jesus wasn't reading or quoting from the New Testament when he said, as the Scripture hath said. He was referencing the Old Testament. So when people say, we don't need the Old Testament, what they're saying is, we don't need what Jesus believed and proclaimed that we needed to put our trust in. 
So if you don't believe what he said, you'll find it there, then you have to turn to denomination and religion and personality and perspective of people. And, and then it's just a, man, it's wide open what anything goes. So he said, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But, hey man, but this spake he of the spirit, somebody shout the spirit, which they that believe, here's that same, John 6, John 7, here it is, that they, what did the scripture say? The scripture didn't say, you walk up and say, in my mind, I believe there's a God, everything's good to go. Believeth, E-T-H, is something that takes action. It takes performance, if you will, in your life. Call it whatever you want. But he said, which they that believe on him should receive. So when people say, well, that's not for me, are you saying that Jesus' words were a lie? That what he said didn't matter? Because what he said, if you believe on me like the scriptures have said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive. So if we believe on him, the natural progression of that taking action and believing in our life is the infilling of his spirit and when his spirit comes in it will be like a river of water in your life so when you're thirsty and people say I'm just looking I'm searching they haven't experienced the river yet and so when the spirit comes in the thirst that you have will be quenched because it's a river of living water that causes you to never thirst again but now you have the fulfillment in somebody ought to shout amen I'm thankful for the word of God amen amen and so oh how I wish we had time to go through all those Old Testament scriptures if you will and bring clarity to this reference of what Jesus was talking about but I've got to hurry along so it's a it's a it's a verse it's a verse that I'm going to read that has it has so much revelation attached to it that if you're not careful, you'll miss, you'll miss the point of it all. And, and we're going to get there. He thirsted, okay, for the finish, right? And in his thirsting, he was desiring to lay down the fleshly struggle, Right? And I want you to see that the struggle of the flesh and humanity will always leave you thirsty. When you're struggling in the flesh and you're struggling in your life, you're going to be thirsty. And Jesus was at a place where he wanted to lay that down. And so John 19, 28 says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture, remember, the, here, here it is again. He told them, as the scripture has said, he was referencing something in the past. Now here we are several chapters later, and the Bible said he knows that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said what I thirst. Here he is in his humanity saying, I'm thirsty. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put, put it upon hyssop and put it 
to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Here we are at Calvary, and he's hanging there after struggling in the flesh, taking on the sins of the world, encountering all of the the abuse that he was going through and the abandonment that he was feeling and all of the stuff that was going on. And what did he say? It's, it's ironic, but it's so telling that the one thing he said was, I'm thirsty. But, but you have to see, he wasn't thirsty for water from something that runs dry. He was thirsty to lay down the struggle of the flesh. He was thirsty to lay down the humanity that he had been enrobed in for 33 and a half years. And now he's saying, I'm tired of this struggle. I'm tired of this weight. I'm thirsty for this to be over. And they give him vinegar to try to satisfy in, 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 in really a cruel way. But it wasn't that at all. He comes to a place where he's saying, it is finished because this was something that earth could not supply for him. This was something that humanity could not supply for him. This is something that people could not do for him. This was something that only eternity could do for him. And so you may wonder why he made such a statement. And it was because he knew of a place to come where everything concerning this reality of thirst would change. This is what Jesus was thirsty Please hear me because you may have never seen it like this before, but I hope that this speaks to you. Revelation 7 verse 9 says this. After this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number and all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which setteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and uh, about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen. Amen. Blessed in glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto him, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence come they? And I said unto unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore are are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them they shall hunger no more neither thirst any more when he was hanging on the cross I have to believe he was thinking about when it would all wrap up and he was saying I'm thirsty I'm thirsty for that place where you'll be where you'll never thirst again where you will never hunger again will you were never Never be in the fleshly struggle again. These are they that have come out of great tribulation. I know we can define tribulation a lot of ways, but when you lose family members and you see loved ones falling and crippled under the weight of sin and you have 
people that are important in your life and dear to you that are under an attack from hell and they're struggling through tribulation every day. You don't have to face the mark of the beast to be under tribulation. You can be in stress and you can be in despair and you can be in overwhelming experiences every day with family that abandons you and jobs that play out on you and a body that incurs sickness and you don't know how you're going to make it. These are they which have come out of great tribulation. It's not just speaking of that last seven years. It's not just speaking of the last three and a half years. It's speaking about the fleshly struggle that every one of us have to go through to say if I'm going to be right with God, I've got to be hungry and thirsty after righteousness and when the world is pulling on me and when sin is weighing on me and when trouble is in my life, I've got to keep pressing on because there's coming a day when I stand before the throne that my thirst will be quenched and my hunger will be met with satisfaction that never ends. Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. I thirst. He was looking toward a day such as this. Neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water hallelujah there is a place where we will arrive where thirst will be met amen and God shall wipe away all tears from their eye you don't have to wait till the time of tribulation to cry some of you have been in despair this week some of you have been burdened this week some of you have cried tears this week these tears don't matter only those tears then no your tears matter right now and there's coming a day that he is going to wipe away every tear and he's going to satisfy the thirst in your life with a fountain of living water that will satisfy us throughout eternity he said I thirst I thirst I thirst 33 and a half years he was under this weight but he was thirsty for that place where the quenching if you will of of, of that desire would be met and it would last. And so I point out to you, and I, I'm not going to get through this. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to stop. But I want to point Luke 8, 13 out. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. This, this, this is the story of the example the Lord was giving when he observed someone sowing seed. And he's, he's explaining the, the farmer has gone out to sow seed and he's casting that seed in places and not all of that is, is, is going to take root and be effective. Some of that is going to fall on hard ground. And, and, he, and he explains all of that. And he comes back and he's saying to them, he said, those, the seed that you're seeing there, that there's four different kinds and we all represent different kinds of ground. And every time you set in a service like this, you have to decide what kind of ground you're going to be. You don't decide one time and you're that ground forever because we go through life and it changes. At one point, we may be really receptive in our life. And the next point, we may be hard and resistant in our life. So, so the soil changes in our life. And he's explaining here that 
that seed that fell there were, were people who received the word with joy. Oh, how I know people like this. They received the word with joy. Greatest thing that's ever happened. And three months later, you don't see them anywhere around. Three days later, three years later, it's different. Man, this is the greatest thing. I can't, oh, I found what I've been looking. Oh, this is awesome. The word of God has changed my life. And there's such joy there. They receive it with joy, but they have no root. Please let me say this and you don't get offended at me. You can't just shout your way to heaven. Man, I was at church and man, we shouted, we worshiped, we encountered the throne room. Woo, I was caught. It was the greatest thing ever. But do you have any root? Because tomorrow you're not going to have the church around you shouting and the praise band and everybody doing all that. And you're not going to have your shout on. You're going to be in a business meeting and someone's going to say something and discouragement's going. What kind of root do you? Just because you get excited one moment doesn't mean that's going to remain in your life. So he said, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Don't be the person who believes for a while. I wish I could just preach all day about that. Because I've met so many people and pastored so many people through the years who believe for a while. You know what happens? You know what, at least how I interpret it? When, it, when people believe for a while and then they're gone, the answer is they had no root. They had no roots that dug in and kept them. I don't know that this verse has ever affected me more than the way it has affected me the last couple of weeks. I don't want to be a person who believes for a while. And and, and I, I can't even get back there. I'm going to stop, but you'll just have to try to interpret it. Go to Thessalonians. Go to Thessalonians and... Read the first verse that we read that said they didn't have a love for the truth. Here's how you go from believing for a while to making it to the place that he says, well done. This is the, this is the one thing a love for a truth. And if you don't receive a love for the truth, you will be one of the ones who believe for a while and then they're gone. Truth keeps me no matter who's singing. Truth keeps me no matter who's preaching. Truth keeps me, if there's 10 people here, 10,000 here. Truth keeps me. Are, are you hearing me? Truth truth keeps me. I, I, personality doesn't keep me. Entertainment doesn't keep me. Uh, right climate doesn't keep me. Right atmosphere doesn't keep me. Right environment doesn't keep me. Right 
people don't keep me. Right friends don't keep me. Right preacher don't keep me. Right musician doesn't keep me. Right, None of those things. That's all good. And I thank God for all of it. We're going to try to do the best that we can. The thing that keeps me is a love for the truth. You've come way too late to tell me that there, there's another verse that, that, that trumps, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It, there's no other verse that, that, that trumps that verse. That is the verse that is the very foundation of everything and all that we are. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Go back to Deuteronomy. I'm not going somewhere that doesn't preach that. I'm not going. So, it doesn't matter. Well, that's a better entertainment. That's a better band. That's a bigger church. That's a, that they have more assets. That's a beautiful building. Buildings don't keep me. Truth, a love for the truth is what keeps me. A love for what is true keeps me. I can't do the other stuff. I've read the Bible and it tells me except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Truth keeps me believing in baptism in his name. Truth keeps me believing in the infilling of his spirit. I'm not trying to please everybody else. I'm not trying to fit in with everybody else. Neither am I trying to offend everybody else. I'm just trying to hold on to the love of the truth that I have. That it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm going to go to my grave preaching the truth, loving the truth, proclaiming the truth, passionate about the truth because it was the truth that brought water into my life. It was the truth that quenched my thirst. It was the truth that brought me out of the bar room. It was the truth that brought me out of the way I was living. It was the truth that changed my life. Thank God that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You're not going to find it in the other things of this world. I thirst for a greater love for the truth I want more truth. Let's stand together.